Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Intersection, a podcast where Pastor Jeff Bogue, Pastor um, Tim Armstrong, Bishop Joey Johnson, and also me, Pastor Coach Ken Boyd, take a real look at how race and relationships intersect. We'll be tackling tough questions like, how is our unique and diverse lives intersecting with thousands of people on a regular basis? How does the gospel intersect with each facet and issue we face? And how can we set our eyes on the life of Christ as a source of compassion for each of our relationships? Keep listening as we crawl path today on today's episode of The Intersection. So good afternoon, good afternoon, Bishop Johnson, Pastor Jeff Bogue. We don't have Pastor Tim with us today, but we know that he is here in spirit. How are you all doing today? Outstanding. Yeah, I'm Outstanding. doing fantastic. It's it's good to be together. All the time, all the time. It's it's a little warm outside, but I love the heat. It's it's a great time and the sun is shining. So we're gonna kick right into it. Last time we were on together, Pastor Tim Armstrong presented this question to us, and I want to just read it really quick. It said, How can we see Jesus in a more unified way? Now that that's a first of all, that's a heavy question to unpack. And I don't think we're going to be in a packet all in one episode. So this is going to be kind of in a continuation over a series of episodes. Right. And so this question, as we said, is, is really complex and it's going to we're going to expand upon it in upcoming episodes as well. But here's the thing that kind of came up as a result of that question as well. And I just want to read this to you in order to start walking through what it, this actually means to see Jesus in a more unified way and gain a better understanding we must first identify how we see Jesus and through what determining lens is that? So these are items that we are going to tackle or at least begin to tackle in episode two today as a groundwork to a larger multi-episode conversation. So where do do we start here, gentlemen? (laughs) Well, we, I think we, you know, when we started getting into this conversation a little bit, you know, the, uh, one of the hearts of of uh, of this podcast is to um, be a catalyst for racial reconciliation and kind of understanding uh, one another, especially as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so I think, uh, Joey, I, I, or Bishop, I, I think you brought up the idea that our cultural background can affect our view of theology a little bit. And that's where we had kind of started leaning into that. And uh, that's my recollection of it. If I'm, if I'm wrong, forgive me and correct me. But I, I think that's where, um, where this conversation was birthed out of. No, I think you're hitting that nail right on the head. I, I think the, the larger question is, we've just um, had Juneteenth become a national holiday. Mm-hmm. So that means after 402 years, we're still having this conversation. (laughs) Why why are we still having this conversation after 402 years? And I think the uh, one of the the answers to that question is the way we view Jesus, the way we view the Bible, the the way we view Christianity. And so what happens is we end up with uh, a lot of things that we don't really discuss, we keep, we keep talking up here, and I'm not talking about us, I'm just talking about the general conversation. We keep talking up here, 
but I don't think we really want to talk about the issues um, because they are painful issues. But when you have a whole conservative church that is seeing Christ in one way and you have a whole another side of the church that is seeing him in another way, how do we begin to, to, to go, get into that and, and to discuss that? And, and when you think about that conversation, Joey, like when you say that, you know, you can get into charismatic things and and uh, conservative evangelical things and all that kind of stuff. But if we if we kept the conversation zeroed in on Jesus, uh, just for the for the sake of our conversation, um, what do you think is the are those key issues about how uh, a conservative evangelical, maybe predominantly white church? would see Jesus differently, how the culture and the scripture would uh, resonate with us differently, all those kind of things. Like when you say those issues in your mind, what are those issues that we're talking about? I think there are two tracks. We'll have to come back and, and pick up one or the other. I think today we ought to probably deal with the cultural track, but I think we'll have to come back and deal with the more difficult track. And that is, what is the origin, the provenance of the Bible? We can come back and talk about that. But I think if we just talk about Jesus, I'm going to hit a very big, a very large one that I think is not discussed anymore. Um, but it's, 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 so, it's, it's so blatant, you would wonder why we don't talk about it. Most of Western Christianity, a large part of it, sees Jesus unconsciously and through pictures as white with blue eyes and blonde hair. That's what he looked like in the portrait in my church basement. <laughs> Absolutely. On that Are little Bible in that? my front desk at my house growing up with the, with the white cover. And yep, that's that was the that's picture. It. That's it. Are you telling me that a ancient Middle Eastern person is not white with blue eyes? That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. It doesn't make sense to most Christians <laughs> because because uh, Jesus would look like an Iraqi. Right. And yeah. for us, that's just, it, it won't compute. We can't, com we can't even get it in our mind. And so uh, this, this particular broadcast to be on with good brothers like you, we can, we can bring about uh, knowledge that people don't have, such as m for thousands of uh, more than a, a thousand years, there were no pictures of Jesus. Mm -hmm. mm. So how do we know what he looked like? And in fact, we don't except for biblical descriptions or other descriptions outside of the Bible. Um, that picture of uh, that looks like a white Jesus didn't come into um, uh, into being until relatively recently. So that is not how Jesus looks. So somebody would probably say, well, so what? So, I mean, he, he, he looks he's not white. He doesn't look like he's white. But that's a major. That's the fundamental problem. If you if he's not white and we see him as white, what else do we see as white that is not white? And that begins. So that begins to see. We don't even have a, a a unified picture of Jesus. Yeah. And does that become even further down the road, Bishop and Pastor Jeff? That feeds into our other perceptions, right? 
of different things, of one another, of, hey, you know, this is better over here because, quote unquote, we're, we're really preaching the real gospel, whatever that is. And whatever that looks like, those perceptions continue to, as we say, intersect with us as people within the body of Christ. So, so I, I guess my question to you both is, how, how do we begin to unpack that and overcome that, right? Like, obviously, we're doing it, we're having the conversation, and it's not, I'm sure there's not a lot of tension between the three of us that are on here, but I, I would have to imagine, you tell me, you tell me, um, Pastor Jeff, Bishop Johnson comes to Grace Church preaching this word. Is everybody up shouting and that's where we see or is that more of a challenge to hear this and to say, wow, this is this is maybe something different because and two, is that something that we have to begin to start doing to engage in that way? I, I I don't think everybody's going to jump up and shout amen. Uh, so we'll have to have them come preach on a different thing. Uh but but I, I think the way that it would be received at Grace Church is it would be a thought we've never had before. Mm. So it, 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 I don't think it would be a challenge like you're holding on to a stubborn, yeah. uh, you know, perception that's not true. I think it would be more like I never thought about that, you know, and um, and Grace Grace might be a little bit different because uh, I believe strongly as a pastor that you have to understand the context and the culture uh, which Jesus lived in and the Bible was written in to understand the Bible well. And so we might be a little bit more um, uh, open to that idea, but the, but this idea that, um, that I view Jesus through a lens and it's, and it's probably, I don't know what, I don't know what you guys would say about this. It, it, it's probably not a white, black, brown, yellow lens. It's probably more of like a European Renaissance lens. Mm -hmm. And then everything makes sense to us through that, you know? And so um, I was just reading a book about um, the colonization of Africa and like you as a, as a, as a culture that has a European uh, really Renaissance foundation to it, we would view that colonization differently. And one of the ways that like the British viewed that back in the day is we're helping these people who are uneducated and ignorant and, and we're enlightening them. Well, when you read the history of Africa, those were very advanced tribes that had very sophisticated systems. When you look at the present uh, condition of Africa, most of the civil war in Africa is tribal related because we broke up all of the natural uh, ties that people have. So it, it would be more that I think where we would look and say, oh, when that was done in the name of Christ, that wasn't Jesus. That was maybe European. And maybe that idea affected me more than I realized. I grew up um, in Southern Ohio and um, uh, I actually went to school in the inner city. It was a Christian school, but it was a pretty diverse school. But our uh, mascot was the crusader. So we were the, we were the, the, uh, the crusaders. And I'm like, I never thought about that. 
I don't think any of my friends, regardless of their skin color, thought about that. But a Middle Eastern person would have thought a lot about that. A whole lot about that. Yeah. Yeah. And and to their credit, the school changed it, <laughs> you know, later on. But I think it's that that rooting where it's race, it's Americanism, it's Europeanism. And when any of that supersedes the scripture, uh, the church is in trouble. And I believe pretty strongly that you have to have your head around some of the culture in order for the, the scripture to be interpreted correctly. So when Bishop comes and preaches, now I preach five times a weekend, Bishop, so you're going to have to do some push-ups, get in shape, come over here. <laughs> but when, when he, and I have to stay on time, that's going to be the harder thing. But, the, uh, but when he comes over and preaches and says that, I think most of our church is going to be like, I have never thought that in my life because most of what the Renaissance has taught us has been easy for us to agree with or understand, if that, if that makes sense. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I'm, you, you shocked me by saying that. I don't think we've ever had this conversation, but uh, most uh, pastors who have any uh, theological training have been trained from a historic uh, grammatical perspective. Mm -hmm. it's, and more, it's, it's historic. We want to look at the history, we want to look at the grammar, but not a cultural perspective. But you can't understand history and grammar without the culture. Right. The culture right. is what allows us to understand what's taking place in that particular context. So I, I wholeheartedly agree. And the culture, the Western culture, has impacted African Americans. Um, not to the same degree and in a different way, but has, has impacted us to not think about those kinds of things. The question we're asking today is, why don't we think about that? When are we going to start thinking about? For, when, you, when you were talking, something jumped in my mind. I went to South High School in Akron, Ohio. South High School was 90, probably 9% African-American. I think I had one white person in the school, okay? Um, but our mascot is a Cavalier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, do we know what a Cavalier is? Yeah. No, we don't. So there's no, no thought about it, no interacting. I just looked it up while he was here. Was first used by the Roundheads as a term of abuse for the wealthier royalist supporters of King Charles I and the son of Charles II of English during the English Civil War. This has nothing to do yeah. with African-Americans or America. It's English. Mm -hmm. And we don't even, we don't question it. We don't think about it. But what that does is it causes us to do something um, that, that, that we, term, we term in cultural anthropology ethnocentrism yeah ethnocentrism is reading back into the text our culture anachronism is reading back into the text our times real quick so anachronistically if i read to something back that was obvious we would know it if i said you know so peter got on his computer that's an anachronism everybody knows they don't have computers but if I said something else 
that was not as obvious, we would not know. Ethnocentrism, I'm reading back. Uh, let me give you one that I think will just shock people. Um, Paul's self-esteem. Er, that culture didn't know anything about self-esteem. They don't deal with self-esteem. Self-esteem had not been talked about, it had not been invented. It was So we are retrojecting into the text English concepts, American concepts, Western concepts into a Middle Eastern text, ancient Middle Eastern. And then we believe that that's, that's fine. Now, here, here's the thing, Pastor, that makes it difficult, both of you. We think that's all right because Americans and Europeans are arrogant. Mm -hmm. We would never think about it any other way, nor do we think we need to. Mm. Brother Kemp, well, what do you think about that? I'm just trying to get my head around these words you use. <laughs> I know. My Can goodness. you use smaller words, Bishop? Um, <laughs> but but I, but I do think it's, I, I think it's interesting, going back to something that you said, Pastor Jeff, that leads me back into what was said in our last episode when you talked about Grace Church and a lot of that is going to stem from leadership. You know, you you're you, you're a great leader in that way because you're more open and progressive to do something. But let me go back to the word that you used last time we were on. You, I think you've continued to remain curious. Right. Right. And so right. that curiosity has led you to intersect more with delving into the book that you're reading with, man, talking to Bishop Johnson, talking to myself and talking to others to say, hey, I, I think we would just kind of be like, man, you've told me something that maybe I've never thought about or heard or knew, but man, I need to get a little bit more of that. And so I think the challenge is, is staying in that posture versus running to say, versus running to get into this disagreement as to why I don't agree because it makes me uncomfortable. That, that's right. Or, or I, I think you have to have enough confidence in your theology and in your doctrine that when somebody challenges it, uh, you don't just close your mind and your heart, but you open your mind and you hear the challenge. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think uh, as pastors and Christian leaders, we memorized our theology and doctrine instead of learned mm -hmm. it. So mm -hmm. when somebody says something to us that challenge what we memorize, we get defensive because we're not, you know, we're not confident enough to think it through on, on our own. And I, and I think that happens culturally. Um, I memorize my culture and uh, uh, my culture is great for all these reasons or it's horrible mm -hmm. for all these reasons. You know, and we have something that we memorize instead of something that we think about. Now I'll tell you what's helped me the most in in uh, in the cultural piece is I married a, a Brazilian girl, and uh, Heidi uh, did not grow up in my culture, doesn't always understand my culture, um, and uh, and challenges it because she's like, well, why does it have to be that way, or who says that that's the best, or did you know that other people think about Americans different than Americans think about Americans? And I'm like, I hadn't thought about that. You know, in my mind, I'm like, everybody must love us and we're great. And we do things right because we get the most done and we got the most money. And, and, and so it was helpful for me to have people have uh, my wife and her family around me 
that are like, you know, in Brazil, uh, we would hear that this way or that doesn't translate or this idea would show up in a different way. And that uh, part of why I was attracted to Heidi is because I was curious about those things. I find that stuff fascinating. But then part of it, she's fed it. So I would kind of challenge white pastors, black pastors, mm-hmm. I don't, whatever your skin color Old is young, or background. Whatever. When you have another brother in Christ say something like uh, Bishop said a minute, uh, a few, a couple minutes ago. I mean, you should ask them, well, why? Well, what do you think? Well, where did that go? And because what what's happening is the body of Christ, we enlighten each other <laughs> when, when we love each other and trust each other. So as, as I, uh, in the context of this conversation, as I hear my two African-American brothers tell me, about how their perspective is different. I'm actually learning something about God. I believe that they, I believe you guys have the same Holy Spirit of God within you that I have within me. Uh, I believe we read and, and respond to the same word of God. So when you view something different or have a different take, I should listen to it. Doesn't mean I'll agree with you. Absolutely. Doesn't mean that at all. But why is the conversation threatening that that doesn't make sense either, you know, cause yeah. nobody's attacking you quit acting Absolutely. like they are. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. There is a defensiveness mm. um, because we, we have only known one way having only known one way. When someone questions us, it becomes, it can be defensive depending on where you grow up, how you grew up, uh, those kind of things. Um, or you can, press into it. Um, I, I happen to believe that, uh, uh, I used to say a long time in my church, you can get um, shouting glad or fighting mad. I really don't care which one. Um, either one should drive you back to the word of God and you should yeah. be curious about. Now, so some folks get shouting glad. I really believe that. I really agree with that. Well, some folks get mad. I don't like that. I don't think that's right. Okay, then go back to the Bible and see if you can, if we can work through where those things and those ideas are coming from for the purpose of what the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. But what I hear when I hear that is, we're gonna get together, we're gonna have fun, iron's gonna sharpen iron. Iron sharpen iron doesn't sound like fun to me. Mm -hmm. Sounds like metal clippings and filings and scratching and friction and heat. And it doesn't sound like a fun process. Yeah. Again, for our our listening audience, this is The Intersection, uh, a podcast where we are looking to intersect with one another. And I'm joined today by Bishop Johnson and also Pastor Pastor Jeff Bogue. And we are talking about the overarching question is how do we how can we see Jesus in a more unified way? But we're not just staying there because we got to dig a little bit deeper in that question to say, in order to see him in a more unified way, we have to understand how each one of us identify and how we see Jesus and what's that determining lens. So we're talking about that today. So I want I want to I want to pitch this one to you, Bishop Johnson, because um, like you, I'm African American male, right? And so I grew up um, in a church that really us as African-American males, we saw ourselves as the new Israelites, if you will, of the day. Right. We we identified more with the Israelites because, 
man, they were enslaved, right? They were coming out of slavery. God rescued them. And so I can remember um, mothers of the church at that time saying that, man, we're the, we're the, we're the new founder, new day of the Israelites, right? Because we were enslaved as a people and now we've been delivered. Is that a proper, is that a proper way of how we need to view that as an African-American? Not in my opinion. I mean, not from a biblical perspective. Now, when you go back and, and l- let me just say this because I don't want to be um, misunderstood. I've read 135 books minimum on African-American issues, um, discrimination, uh, imp- implicit bias, all that kind of stuff. Plus, I don't know how many books on theology. So when you start doing that, the, Af- the, the Israelites are not Africans. <laughs> now, if you want to, uh, we have always, African-Americans have always used the Exodus as a main metaphor for how we approach and how we do life. You want to do that? I have no problem with that. But we want to make Jesus black and God black and everybody black. And I got as much problem with that is as making him white. Hmm. Oh, bishop, oh, bishop, stop. You mean to tell <laughs> me Jesus black. ain't black? He's not white. There's, there's no black Jesus? <laughs> no, there's no black Jesus. There's no white Jesus. I believe that's one of the reasons that God wouldn't have wouldn't allow us to have any pictures of him. Doesn't, there's not a lot of descriptions of him. His descriptions are about his love, his giving his life, his sacrifice. His, those are the pictures of the Bible, not whether he's black or white or this or that. And I think that becomes the problem. So the problem become, here, let's, let's talk about the so what. So the problem become, if my point of view, my culture is where I gain all of my uh, views, it allows me to think I am right and to persecute anybody who's not the same as I am. That's the problem. That's good. That's that's good, Bishop. Um, I saw you over there, uh, Pastor Jeff, shaking your head and smiling. What 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 was being said that kind of made you lean into that a little bit and say, "Man, that's that's all right. That's good." Well, I I thought what Bishop said about that maybe that's why we don't have pictures of Jesus mm. uh, is because he his descriptors are his love, his glory. Uh, his obedience, his descriptors are his heart and uh, his response to his father's heart. And I had never thought about that before. So I thought that that's, that's, that's really good. I, I also thought like uh, when you said the, uh, the metaphor for the Afri- African-American church is the Exodus. I thought, well, there's a difference because the church I grew up in, I grew up in a, in a, a white church um, in, in a suburb and the big, um, metaphor for the white church or a picture of the white church would have, would have been the church triumphant. Mm. So we have overcome and we have arrived and we live in triumph now. Like we live in a place of, uh, victory and prosperity. And, um, I read the book and I know who wins in the end, you know, so so it, it's very fascinating when you guys brought that up because I thought oh, that would have been the opposite of, yeah. of uh, yeah. how I would have uh, kind of had my narrative of Christ taught. Um, if, I think in a lot of the the uh, the 
white cultural churches, you actually have to really go back and lean into humility and selflessness and death to self, because that's not the main narrative. The main narrative is I think highly of myself. I'm an overcomer. Um, if God, God is for me, therefore I am victorious. And that's out of balance on, yep. on the, the other side of this conversation. Yep. Just, I want you to stay for there for a minute because that's, that's excellent. Um, yes, it is. When you start dealing with Martin Luther, he had a problem with the church triumphant. Uh, yeah. And so what oh, happened, yeah. oh yeah, so what happens is, look at the contrast here. This is one of those stark contrasts. You have the church triumphant. I've done some teaching on that to try to help Americans understand that when you go back into the Bible, it ain't so triumphant. But if you deal with African-Americans, the church is birthed in slavery. Yeah. It's birthed in lynching. It's yes. birthed in pain as opposed to a church that is birthed in overcoming. Yes. Those are two entirely different divergent ways of looking at Christianity. Now, here's the thing I'm going to be doing a sermon series on. Neither wrong, neither of them are wrong, mm -hmm. but they are different ways of looking at Absolutely. Christianity. Yeah. yeah. What, what's wrong, where it crosses a line is when... I one side or the other starts to erase that history. I, I was um, I just took a trip out to Boston because uh, uh, for a little vacation. I love history, so I was looking at the Revolutionary War, and so the very first shot to the Revolutionary War, the very first person they believe that was shot was an African American, and and history would have sidelined that, hidden that, or erased that right? That's wrong. And I think we do that in, in uh, when we bring our own cultural narratives and read it back into scripture. Um, that's why the, the, the church would read uh, Philemon, the book of Philemon, and say, see slaves, you should submit to I'm like, what are you talking about? But they, they were reading that back in there, you know, and, I, and, and all these twistings of the scripture, that is sinful and wicked. And probably every generation of Christianity is, is uh, um, guilty of that. I remember, um, oh, right after 9-11, when, when the U.S. was in Iraq and things like that. And I had a, I was doing a thing and... Um, a guy said, I think what we should do is get up and just drop a nuke on all the Muslims and get it over with. And I said, <laughs> what? <laughs> you're going you're gonna to wow. nuke them? Like, right. yeah. all these people are going to go to hell. And that, that as a Christ follower, that's where you went. And I, I challenged him. I said, your patriotism at best nationalism at worst has completely blinded you to to the heart and the mind of Jesus and and that's where the church has become uh twisted in yep. so many ways because because we read all that stuff back in Pastor it. Jeff you you're in some real important points here this is a great discussion some people are, are going to be able to be enlightened by this I believe um so when we look at this and we look at the fact that um, that we have this cultural reinterpretation. It is sinful, as you said, 
It is unfortunate, but it's also very normal. So normal that most people yeah. have never even thought of it. So right. when you think of that culture, we're, we're not thinking about the fact that that's going on. So I, I have the saying that the history of the Coliseum will never be told by the lions. <laughs> <laughs> the history of America is not going to be told by the dominant society. Mm. So I have to go back and relearn history because I was taught certain things that don't make sense. I'll just hit one to get in trouble. So Columbus discovered America, even though people are already here when he got here. <laughs> How do you discover something that somebody's already <laughs> living on? But you have all of that kind of history that then sets a context by which we operate and it looks like it's right and anything that's different looks like it's wrong. And so we have lots of work, lots of discussion. Lot, this, is, this is excellent stuff to talk about, to deal with so people can open up and understand that Christianity itself is not white. Mm. Yeah, Christianity it's, it's, itself is not black. Mm -hmm. That's right. It, it, Jesus is is a third way. He's his own way, right? He is truth. He is life. He's not a version of ours. And discovering that, and and I think Bishop, when you when you say things like that, um, like when you talk about uh, America and Columbus, I think some people you know, are going to tense up. You know that, and they're, they're going to say, um, "Well, I'm not ashamed of my country." I'm not, I'm, and I would lean in and I say, "Nobody's saying that." I, I don't I don't have to be ashamed of something to view it honestly. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. And absolutely. so this country was built for freedom. Right. That praise God, America started or none of us are having this conversation. Right. So that's fine. But we can be honest. And, and I, I tell you, um, a way that I've tried to help people look at this with the church, with the country um, is the way that I, I think about my father. I adored my father, respected my father, and I don't say negative things about him publicly. But I know the man. I, I knew his failings. I knew his strengths. I knew ways that I don't want to be like him or raise my kids like him. I can love and adore and appreciate and be grateful and be honest. And, and I think sometimes even with the Bible, we have, we have to be that way. The Bible is a rough book. It's no, the truth of the Bible. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, you kidding? The, yeah. The stories of the Bible and, and you have to admit that they're there. Um, it doesn't mean I'm ashamed of Christ. It doesn't mean I'm ashamed of the Bible. I'm not ashamed of the church. But I can be honest about where we've been wrong. I can be honest about where we've been right. I can be honest about things I don't know. And, and somehow, if we're going to have these conversations in churches, which is what we're, you know, what we're trying to model here, I got to hear that stuff. And yes. I gotta, I gotta hear what you mean by Christopher Columbus, and I know what you mean. But you see what I'm saying? Sure, absolutely. You know, you hit something that, again that the that's so important. I can affirm, I can love my my country, 
I can affirm my country, but not necessarily affirm everything about it or everything yeah. that's taken place. Yeah. You know, the Bible is the same way. We have not had that discussion yet. I'm talking about in America that um, that African-Americans have a high respect for the Bible, mm-hmm. not the same respect as Europeans have, hmm. but we have a high respect. But that also means if you have a high respect for the Bible, there are going to be some places where you're going to have to struggle with the text. That's right. You're going to have to wrestle because it's so different than what you but normally think you have to say, stop and say, whoa. I mean, there's some heavy, as you said, some heavy, heavy stuff in the Bible that you have to just stop and say, is that I mean, (laughs) did that really happen? Yeah. yeah. I, I want to go back to something that you all said before. And I love this term where, you know, Bishop, you talked about this. Not a lot of, you know, you believe that's why it's not a lot of pictures of Jesus. Right. Like God didn't allow that to come. And then, Jeff, man, I love what you said as far as the Jesus descriptors. Let's just talk about what described Jesus versus what he looked like. So so he, so here's my call to action. OK, I'm I'm a I'm a <laughs> I'm a somewhat simple man. Right. So so let me let's let's break it down simplistically. What would it look like for us? And because, see, in order to really be able to identify with those descriptions of Jesus, that means you had to be in some type of a relationship with him. Relationally, you had to have some type of connection to know him that way. Right. In order to call him that. Right. In order to call him Lord or call him Savior, there was something that had to be there relationally. And so I believe that's the same thing for us. That's the same thing that we're trying to do to intersect with one another. So what would it look like if we sat in a room, maybe 10 of us, maybe even 20, if we're we're being, um, if you will, um, a little bit adventurous and blindfolded ourselves. So we didn't know who came in and we just started conversations with, with one another. And then we all get out of that room and we say, hey, describe to me the person that you were talking to. Mm. Give me some descriptors of that person. The one thing none of us would ever say, it's not taken away from the person, but we wouldn't be able to identify what race they was. Right. But the lead in would simply be, oh, man, I was I was talking to this guy. He said his name was, you know, Joey. And man, Joey was funny. Right. Um, Joey had a good sense of humor, but man, I felt from him that he really was sincere and cared about people. Like when that becomes your forerunner, right? Now, once, and let's say we would do this maybe over a period of, let's just say four different sessions. Well, all we knew was the name of the person, but then we had to describe the person after each and every one of those sessions. And then the big reveal happens. Because again, we don't want to take away from somebody's culture of ethnicity. That's not what we're talking about. But what if we met people from the same perspective as we read about in scripture of how Jesus met him well, and how Jesus met with people? That's what we're trying to do. First of all, people's culture is such a huge lens. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a huge lens. It's a very entrenched lens. And we're trying to get people to Jesus so he can adjust that lens. Mm-hmm. And so that lens is more loving, more yes. godly, more not just whatever it is that you grew up with. And so mm-hmm. we all grew up and we from various places. If you had a wheel, you could put people on the wheel. We all started different places. We're all trying to get to the center where Jesus is. So, But we all are coming from a different point of view. That's mm-hmm. fine. The problem is when we make our point of view the only point of view, 
or the only right point of view, and we're not open to adjustment. Mm-hmm. We're not open to letting God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit adjust where we are. So if we did, let's talk about those views for a minute. So with my eyes, my eyes are interpreting through the lenses. Mm-hmm. The number one thing I teach when I go and I do um, stuff on implicit bias, the number one thing psychologists say you see when you look at a black man, when you look in his face, is his color. That's what the psychologists say. Now, we say, I'm colorblind. I didn't see his color. But the psychologist mm-hmm. said, you can't help but see his color. So mm-hmm. then you interpret based upon all that you are. When you have the Holy Ghost and he's operating in your life, then he ought to be able to be given the right of way to adjust what it is that we see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it That illustration and what you're talking about there, Bishop, um, uh, it made me think of my father-in-law, mother-in-law. So my wife is Brazilian. Her father is an American. Her mother is a Brazilian or was. Her mother's with the Lord. They met on a short-term missions trip. And then they fell in love by writing, I think it was like 83 letters or something like that. And wow. they'd have to have it translated. He was back in the States. She was in Brazil. Uh, they have it translated back and forth. And then he went down and uh, this, by the way, I'm going to do this to my daughter. Her father, he asked to marry my mother-in-law and her father said, prove to me from the Bible, it's God's will for you to marry my daughter. And so <laughs> he did it, but I'm like, Ooh, I'm so going to make the guy that asked for my daughter. To do that. Some guys get my point. <laughs> they, they fell in love by sharing each other's heart, by sharing with each other, they sharing their mind with each other, expressing their affection and uh, their dreams for each other. Then they got married. Then they had to mesh the cultures together. Mm-hmm. And what what motivated them and allowed them to mesh the cultures together is they didn't start with culture, they started with love. Mm-hmm. And I think we, I like that. we we mix that up. We're like, I until I understand you, I can't love you. And I'm like, well, I hope that's not true. Mm-hmm. You know, when you say about that psychologist and see his skin color, I'm like, right. And I think we're supposed to see each other's skin color. I think it represents God. I think it's supposed to be beautiful. But if I throw a bunch of assumption on you because your skin is black and mine's white, I never bothered to love you. That's good. And therefore, I never bothered to know you. And therefore, I either don't care or really can't even download the cultural pieces. Because what that does is downloading the cultural pieces allows me to love you better <laughs> and understand you more. And and I, I hear what you're saying there, Kemp. I think that's really fascinating. Like that is what we do with Jesus because we can't see him. We can't hear him. We don't know his dialect, you know, because we'd have all kinds of biases about him mm-hmm. having a, a Middle Eastern accent too, you know, because mm-hmm. because of our culture. And what we see is through scripture is his heart and his mind. And that's what we're drawn to and fall in love with. Um, yeah, and it makes a difference. It, it, it sure makes, does. I think that's huge, really, really fascinating. Makes a huge difference. There's a great book. Now, Kemp, you know, I, I've got a book. <laughs> <laughs> 
I've gone, I've gone about 30 minutes here without a book, man. <laughs> yeah. If, if you're, if you're listening or viewing this, all those books on the shelf behind Bishop are the ones he read this afternoon. Yes, absolutely. Before we came on. Yeah. There, there's a great, there's a great book. I think it's by Prothro, P-R-O-T-H-R-O. It's called American Jesus. Hmm. And what it does is it be, it goes in as it begins to show you how much we look at Jesus as an American, not as a Hebrew. So all the things that we look, all the things we expect, all the things that we project upon him, all the things are Americanisms that have nothing to do with the Bible or the text or where he comes from. And I like what, what, what you said, Pastor. You, you just coined a phrase for me that I'm going to use. We don't start with culture. You said we start with love. I'm going to say we don't start with culture. We start with Christ. That's right. If we started with Christ rather than culture, the culture could have a lens. The, the, Christ would be the lens through which we uh, look at and, 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 and filter what's going on. Right now, what's filtering a lot of what's going on is culture. Right. And, and that's why we can go, you've done this and I've done this. I've gone all over the world and can have an instant bond and a genuine Christian love for somebody that I barely met. I do not speak their language. I do not understand their culture, but I have the exact same passion, the exact same loyalty and the exact same purpose and mission in my life. And it bonds us together. And, and then we, because of that bond of love, and then it's empowered, I believe, by the Holy Spirit, then that bond of love, then we figure out the cultural pieces, you know, yeah. and, and we just call that missions. Uh, we call that pastor train. You know, I, when I go to Brazil and train, uh, they invited me down there to train pastors. I'm being translated the whole time, but we wind up laughing. The, the biblical principles transfer They'll tease me. They'll feed me something super spicy and watch me like free <laughs> because we love each other. So nobody, I'm not insulted. Nobody cares yeah. uh, because the, the culture then becomes intriguing and fun because Christ is the, is the bond and the center point. And I just, I, I fear sometimes we start at the wrong place with it, even Absolutely. in the church. Absolutely. And be before we end, Pastor, Pastor Kip, I'm going to say one more thing to Pastor Jeff, because he's unique and his uniqueness is a point that we need to highlight right now. And that is so most you never know, it's difficult for you to see your culture unless you go to another culture. Mm -hmm. You only see what you are used to seeing every day. So, Pastor Jeff, because you have. Uh, been immersed in another culture, you can see the differences, you can feel the differences, but most yep. folks never get out of their comfort zone. That's right. Absolutely. So here's a statistic. Once again, 75% of whites have no meaningful interaction with African-Americans. Yep. So That's how right. would I know you? How would I understand you? How would I? Value. And, and immersing yourself in another culture is five minutes away. Absolutely. You don't have to leave the country. No. <laughs> you know, no. It, 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 it takes intentionality. Mm -hmm. It takes intentionality. But, boy, it's, it, you might be shocked how much fun it is, 
you know, to, to get to know and understand and understand people. Yep. And when you look at Jesus, what did he do? He did it all the time. He's always yes. interested. He's always in somebody else's culture, neighborhood, yep. reality. And they're trying to say, man, what are you doing? You know, we don't do that stuff here. We don't we don't interact with those people. He said, but I, I've got to go uh, to Jerusalem, but I'm going by Samaria. So we 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 don't. That's not our hood. We don't yeah. go through Samaria. He yeah. said, I'm going to need, I must, uh, King James, forgive me. I must needs go through Samaria. I <laughs> have to. Because there's a woman waiting at a well over there who needs my help. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go that way. That, now, but I better, wait a minute. I better say for people who don't know this, the Hebrews, the Israelites of that time would go miles out of their way walking not to go through Samaritan right. land. Yeah. And that, that's a great place for us to start because this is what this podcast is all about, right? It's about intersection and how do we intersect with one another as Jesus did when he went through Samaria to intersect with that woman at the well at the hottest time of the day. And she went because, man, she was an outcast. She was mocked for who she was, but Jesus met her and intersected with her exactly where she was at. Man, Bishop Joey, Pastor Jeff, thank you so much. It's always a good time. Yeah, it's fun. It's always a good time. And so I want to thank you all, our audience, for joining us today on as we continue to seek God's voice, navigating all the different intersections in our lives. You can subscribe or follow us on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, or YouTube. We would love to hear from you as well. So if you have any questions for us, um, please, all you have to do is go to intersection at loveakron.com. That is intersection at loveakron.com. And so thank you so much. Hey, um, Pastor Jeff, you Bishop told you that you were unique. I thought he was going to say because you got on that lavender pink shirt, but it's <laughs> yeah, because <I> you are <laughs> leaning. I wasn't it. <laughs> but I love jealous. the shirt, though. You're jealous. I am. I'm very jealous of the shirt because it looks comfortable and warm. And, you know, (laughs) look, he's creased up up there. But, man, we have such a great time doing this. And thank you all for doing this with us um, as an audience. And so, again, if you have any questions for us here, all you have to do is send an email out to the intersection at loveakron.com. And until next time, we'll see you at the intersection. Thank you, brothers, for being with us. Thank you.